0: We are pretty good about pointing out when we are dysregulated or out of alignment with both family values as well as specifically this way what we've been called to from God's, you know, from the Word of God, but then also just from how we see what we know from from culture and our church of, of of the teachings of what's appropriate, and to talk through that with the kids, I think is helpful to say, hey, I'm really not in a good place. Can you please forgive me for whatever it is? Raising my voice or being you know, disrespectful to you or whatever it is.
1: This is the Define Dad podcast show number 13 coming to you today from the great state of Texas. My name is Andrew Sullivan. Thank you so much for making this show part of your day. Defiant is defined in the dictionary as showing a disposition to challenge, resist, or fight. And this podcast equips fathers to fight for themselves and their families using the truth of the gospel. One of my favorite sayings in Christian culture that I often hear is that we, as believers, are God's adopted sons and daughters. Uh, We were not naturally included in His family, and yet He sought us. He called us His own. He bestowed upon us a love that is completely unlike, and so much deeper, so much deeper than any kind of love that we could experience here on earth. We are not merely God's subjects. Uh, we are not His servants. We are not merely His warriors, merely His workers. Our day-to-day lives in, uh, involve all of these, you know, elements. But we are so much more than just those things. We are His children. And with that comes all sorts of wonderful uh, and some would say mysterious privileges that someone outside of his family simply doesn't have access to. Uh, Because of that, I've always really admired my Christian brothers and sisters who have decided to foster or adopt kids who aren't their own. Uh, First off, because these people uh, certainly understand the idea of being adopted into God's family via Christ's death and resurrection. Secondly, I admire these people because they're not God. Uh, They don't have his infinite power, his infinite patience, his infinite energy. And yet, day by day, they pour themselves out for the benefit of a defenseless child. They say to this child, You are mine. And today I have Kirk Bolton on the podcast. Uh, He's a friend of mine here in Fort Worth. He and his family have fostered a number of kids in recent years and I wanted to have him on the podcast to share his experience and also see what wisdom he could offer to fellow Christ following parents. And with all that said, let's dive in. Fun. Here we are. Um, well Kirk, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, thank you. you bet. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to to come in here. Um, it really, really means a lot. To to me, I was uh, true story. I was stressing out a little bit because uh, I, I was really good on top. I'm really good at like being a few weeks ahead of uh, the release date, and then we had a very busy last two weeks. The next thing, and I was like, okay, so I've got one coming up Monday, and nothing after that. I was like, I've got to get some people in like in the next yeah, week, sure. And so when I texted you, I was like, okay, I, bet I can get Kirk in the next ten days. And you're like, hey, can we do it today? I was like. Yeah, why not?
0: <laughs> so available.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well thank you so much for, for making time uh to be here. Uh it's such short notice too, man. Yeah. Uh known you for years, but I wanna just spend some time getting to know you better. You bet. Um I wanna first know uh your story, like where did you grow up? Yeah. Um what do you do now professionally and you know how you came to know the Lord and Yeah.
0: Go ahead. so yeah, west side of fort Worth uh back before the whole Alito yeah area became what it is today uh-huh. uh dad had a place out there that I grew up in, so I was been i wasn't born in there, but quickly within like the first two years moved there and then was there ever since okay. um yeah, so so you uh, call yourself
1: like an Alito native,
0: well, um. By, by geography. Okay. Maybe, maybe okay. not by identity. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, grew up out there, went to uh, the school, public school, Aledo, for a while, mm-hmm. uh, first through third, and then um, went to a uh, private school, fourth through eighth. Uh, there was a, I don't know if it was an incident. My dad felt like the curriculum wasn't rigorous enough. Okay. So, seeking out a better educational... Uh, Frontier, so did that, and then um, by high school was ready to go back into a more, uh, just a program that offered more options, mm-hmm. and so went back to mm-hmm. Um So I kind of have been, you know, uh, from the public school standpoint as well as the uh, private school, really I would say Christian-focused private school, because mm-hmm. uh, obviously there's difference, mm-hmm. um, and so have seen kind of both of them. Um, Went to Baylor University okay. for uh, undergrad and graduate school in engineering, electrical engineering, um, and yeah, I've then moved back home for a while. Graduated <laughs> graduated December 2008, okay. which is a, kind of a bad time to be uh, looking for a job. Yeah. So moved back home. How, uh, how old are you, by the way? 39 You're 39.
1: Okay, I'm yeah. 36. Okay. Okay, so I knew you were like a little older than me. Yeah. Uh, but you, you threw me off, though, when you said graduated in 08, because I graduated in, in May of 09. Yeah, and so, so...
0: Uh, graduate school, 08. Oh, lock that down. Yeah, yeah. Go okay. it, yeah. Okay. Oh, graduate school. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. So I was like, wait a second, I'm i I'm missing something here. I was <laughs> like, I don't think Kirk and I are the same age. No. Okay.
0: Uh. Yeah, so then uh came home, you know, looked for a job for a f- few months, found a job in Mineral Wells, which is... 30 to 40 minutes west. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and it's the opposite way. of the, the way where the rest of our life is, which is Fort Worth, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone we know, all the community that we're in, everything's Fort Worth. And so it's kind of a weird thing. The 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 one thing I do wish is, uh, it's that whole like, hey, do you want to grab lunch? I'm like, I, I, I'm I sorry, I can't. <laughs> I'm an hour away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. But um, met my wife, oh, geez, 2009. Okay. Um, uh, Actually, it was a a friend of mine, uh, my best friend, a guy that I uh, went to from elementary school all the way up through, we were college roommates. Um, His sister's wedding, uh, my wife, Leslie, was her maid of honor, Mm. and so I was there for being associated with the family friend and then she was there so we kind of got to know each other a little bit there so nice and then just over a couple of you know very much um uh not my own uh not by my own steering how about let's say that okay interactions we still bumped into each other enough and then finally went on i think we went to like a birthday party as our first date oh nice yeah it was so nice um i'm not the uh not the outgoing kind of go, you know, go getter yeah. type when it came to relationships. To really, I
1: was going to ask who like who pursued who at first. Yeah,
0: she's much more so the the one that that was. And credit to her. I mean, it's you know, you, if it's uh, if it's worth trying out, then absolutely go for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so absolutely. Uh, so and then you know, from from that point on, we've we've been together. We dated for this is you know published, so I'm not going to get it right, but <laughs> s- several months, let's say. Six months, mm-hmm. um, and then got engaged and uh, married in 2010, November 2010. So, no way, that's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and um, now we have two kids, mm-hmm. two uh, that we have had. They're eight and ten, uh, eight and eleven now, and then uh, we also foster. Mm-hmm. So we've had a variety of uh, children who've come through our house. I think we've had five placements. Wow, is that right? Maybe it's four placements, five kids. Let's see. Yeah, five placements. Wow. So wow, yeah.
1: when did you start doing that? Oh boy,
0: um, two thousand eighteen. Two yeah. thousand eighteen.
1: Okay. Yeah, I remember because you you already. What did you guys start uh, going to city city church?
0: I uh, we were at the rooted uh-huh. when it merged. Got it. So yeah. that was so two thousand thirteen ish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The merger was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Nice. Yeah. Because I remember. I remember we we had like a, you know, an announcement or, or thing at the beginning of service one day where we prayed for you guys as you were entering officially into your capacity mm-hmm. as foster parents. Yeah. You know, you you completed. Actually, I want to ask you, like, what was the, what was your mindset going into that? Like, sure. what, what led to that? Um, yeah. You know, it's not a decision. You just, hey, let's be foster parents. Yeah, like, no, I
0: mean, i would be quite honest. Uh, from the outside looking in, it's terrifying, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. mean, you hear all, so many horror stories. I feel like most people who are not in the fostering world, uh, but either know someone or they're like tangentially involved with it, they do a they do a disservice by making it sound scarier than it actually is. Yeah. And that it sounds very scary to yeah. me, just as
1: an as an outsider sure, myself. Sure. And yeah. that's not
0: to say that there aren't hard things in it, but um so we went we'd been married for we had our first son. We had our, our first child, uh, Avery and we had kind of been talking even when we were dating that we felt called to adoption. Mm. Um, we saw that, you know, there's, there's a lot of holes in our, the way our um, culture, society does children and mm-hmm. child care. I and, completely agree. Yeah, and how they care for kids who maybe don't have parents or whatever that looks like. Uh, and So we really felt like, you know, adoption is a good thing. Uh, so <laughs> we went to uh, an adoption fair. And it was, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 different adoption agencies. And every single one of them we talked to were like, yeah, adoption is good. But have you thought about foster to adopt? And we're like, well, we haven't because we're scared of it. And mm. we don't want to do that. Mm. And like, here's all these stats. And they just, you know, rattle off all this stuff and the need. And so wow. um, having been exposed, to, that, we both got out to the car afterwards and just started crying. I mean, mm. Leslie and I both were crying. So it was one of those things you go. We did not come here for this, but we left with definitely the the sense. And it's obviously a, you know, God's providence sort of a guidance to that point, being in those conversations to then have that go, oh, we, this is, we have to do this. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know what year that was. It was probably, oh... 2013, 2014, maybe. Mm-hmm. So we, we took it took us more than a year to get in contact with an agency. We found one that we liked. We go with where you we uh, have been with CK Family Services.
1: Where Where are they based?
0: Arlington. And yeah, are in DFW. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, DFW, and they have a couple of offices, but their main offices in Arlington. Okay, what was um, it about them that you liked? They are they were very. Um, Christ-centric in okay. their approach. So almost all of their mission statement literature mm-hmm. points back to sort of the, the reason, the, the family aspect of being part of the family of God. And so mm-hmm. how that, using those little images of, like, coming into family in terms of the kids coming into your family being a small uh, sort of reflection of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um they also had a lot of services hmm. in terms of like if you need counseling for the child or for you, and then um, uh, respite care. They're good at finding respite care, which respite is when you have a placement and you either need a break, uh-huh. <laughs> or uh, or you're going out of state mm-hmm. and you it would be more difficult to bring the child with you. I see. They there is a licensed person or family whomever that you can place your foster placement with, and they'll take care of them for a week or three to five days, something like that.
1: Interesting. Okay. So is respite care a pretty common thing? It is. Okay. This is the first I've ever heard of it.
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, and a lot of agencies will actually advocate that you take respite care because, and it it really depends on the placement, Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you have a placement that is taking a lot of, uh, a lot more effort than just, maybe the child has some uh, trauma or something in their past that really is manifesting in a certain way. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot out of you emotionally. There can be a, um, you know, an emotional and mental toll that that sort of is cumulative. And so having that week-long break, whether you go on vacation or you just have a little couple of days away from that, Mm -hmm. they'll advocate for it. And I think, I mean, it's a weird thing because it's (laughs) <laughs> if you go back to the whole family motif like God doesn't do that with us. Right. He never yeah. takes a break. And so I feel guilty when we do it. I was wondering, yeah. Um w- when you put in in that sort of context, but I I think from the um maybe like the fallen state that we're still in, like I st- we still need it, right? Yeah. We still need those times to be able to exhale momentarily mm-hmm. in between and have a you know, almost a uh, reload sort of uh, yeah. mentality toward it. So that
1: makes sense. I mean, because I, I imagine I don't want to put words in your mouth because I've never experienced it, but I feel like fostering uh, it, it's it's a constant pouring out of yourself. Um, you know, especially with a, a child who is in need, who's living in your house, and who is who is part of your family and your dynamics and the things that you're doing. Um, it seems natural that you would need some time to be refilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so is that's is that a
0: good—that's a good way to put. It. I like refilling more than reloading. That's a—that's a good. Yeah, it's a much better better term for it. So yeah, I okay. would agree with that. Interesting. Yeah, so CK was good about that. So we chose them. Um, they have a lot of trainings, and uh, you have to go through, which is true for it, you know almost any agency. Yeah, I've
1: heard. I've heard. The process, like when you finally like shake hands with the company for the first time and say, hey, I'm interested in fostering until you have a placement. It can Mm -hmm. take years. Uh, Oh Yeah. Yeah.
0: We were, it took us over a little over a year. There are some people who get it done in six months. Wow. I mean, you can get your classes stacked up. COVID actually helped that quite a bit because almost all the agencies had to prepare for not being able to meet for trainings, and so they did, you know, virtual versions of it. So now they have a catalog of that that they can offer. So oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. So then you can do it in that the actually evenings. helped the process. Yeah, it really did. That's yeah, right. actually, it's a blessing. Cool. Um, there's still a few like CPR. You can't do that. One. <laughs> so you know how to do CPR. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. You have to be CPR trained okay. to be a licensed foster parent.
1: I think that's a fabulous idea. I wouldn't <laughs> have ever guessed that.
0: Yeah. But. Yeah. It and it makes sense, right? You know, you mm-hmm. a child, you're you're in. I don't know if you're technically. Uh, employee of the state, but mm-hmm. you have like an, some authority might to... Might be like an agent of the yeah, state or right. whatever and the term so is. Therefore, yeah, right, and so therefore, they want you to know how to save this child from choking or CPR, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a good life skill just to have. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> great.
0: So we went with them, uh, did our trainings, and then, um, uh, yeah, got our first placement.
1: Wow. So let's talk some more about the trainings. Mm-hmm. Um What are the things that they're they're teaching you? What is that doing for your marriage? And the meanwhile, like, are you having doubts during the training process? Like, is this the right thing for me? Like, walk walk me through that process. Sure,
0: yeah. So, and it probably depends on your agency. Uh, The ones that we went through, there's a lot of, like, what seemed to be basic. You know, how to spot abuse or trauma from abuse. Hmm. Um, Obviously, we talked about CPR. Um, And then there's, like, the practical ones, how to prepare and take care of the medication log because sometimes there's children that have um, uh, prescriptions that are more uh, like psychotropics and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Thankfully, we have not had to do that ourselves, but mm-hmm. there's regulations associated with all that. And so how do, you, how do you keep that safe? And also, how do you record it properly? Um, one of the ones that I feel like is probably the most helpful for anybody who has kids because nobody gets out of this world without trauma, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, is uh, TCU, there's actually a, uh, I don't know if it's an organization or uh, a group there, but um, they, it's called, I forget, TBRI is an acronym, Mm -hmm. trauma-based, I can't think of it. Like research or something? Yeah, something. And so they've done a ton of research with kids coming out of traumatic events and how to approach them in a parenting way that, um, isn't react. It's not like a reactionary, like, why are you acting so crazy? It's, (laughs) I understand how you got here. Um, it's not okay what you're doing, but we're going to work together to get past this and grow from it and learn. And so, um, I think it's been super helpful because I mean, even with our the two that we have that aren't from foster placements, yeah. it, there's like just today had to have some pretty intense, you know, how to talk through uh, dysregulation, co-regulation. What do you mean by that? So, um, it's a, that's a tra- that's a trauma term, but basically, when you're um, not able to. um control, regulate your emotions. Um, especially when it's logically aware that what you're doing is not what both of what you want to do, but also what is, uh, commonly accepted as appropriate. Okay. How do you, how do you get down from there? How do you get, Mm. how do you take some steps down off that ladder? Um, and so co-regulation is the, I'm going to help you. We're going to walk down this ladder together Mm. And the goal being that you learn some skills such that eventually you're able to be aware of, ooh, I'm very dysregulated. How do I do this? I'm gonna take those steps on my own. Wow. And that can be a long time in coming, but you know, there's practical ones, deep breaths. That's yeah. What I was gonna ask for like, that one.
1: What are some of the some of the the deregulation? Sure, the step sure. down. Well, actually, walk me through the what are the signs that like if you could provide an example. Like, yeah. A, of, of so a, I mean, the
0: thing today. Uh, We were working on a project, my son and I, and it was really, like, stressful. He had to make a a decision um, about kind of a path to go with this. We're we're converting a lawnmower into a go-kart, which is pretty awesome. Super cool. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Uh, And uh, we're at a point where uh, we're going to have to make a, like, you know, somewhat permanent decision on the path to take. And it was very, you could tell, it was very difficult (coughs) for him in knowing the, um, the decision that he was about to have to make was going to have to be the way we went. Mm-hmm. And it be, it sort of escalated and it became where he was gripping his fists and clenching his toes in his shoes and he was crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, just kind of calmly uh, address him. Hey buddy, I see that you're really struggling with this. Can we, can we take a, take a few minutes to take a break? Can we Take some deep breaths. And it doesn't always get received well. Mm, of course, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to repeat that. Would you like a hug? Do you want some space? Um, I didn't offer this today, but another one that often happens with uh, TBRIs, drink and snack. Because mm-hmm. there's whether they recognize it or not, some kids get really emotionally uh, elevated when they're hungry and they mm. don't know it, or thirsty and they don't know it. Yeah. Um, And so I would say in general, you know, deep breaths is a big one. Um, Having like a separation, like let's take a break from it. We'll come back. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, just letting someone know, let them know that you're there. Mm. You're not reacting to them in such a way that's like, this is all your fault. You need to figure this out. I'm here with you. We're going to do this together. How, you know. We're going to do it in a way that's respectful and not hurtful. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, uh, we're going to do it. We're we're going to get through this. So,
1: do you see elements of the gospel like in that?
0: Oh, sure, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things. Primarily, Jesus is uh, the Spirit is with us. We've been given someone who literally is within us (laughs) and guiding us through these times uh, and revealing truths to us about how the choices we've made. In our lives, or in specific situations, or out of alignment, they would be. They would be. Um, uh, yeah, maybe a perfect example of that. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, as you're describing it, I was sitting there. I was like, this sounds familiar. Yeah, <laughs> right. Do you do you find opportunities? Uh, let's just say it with your biological children first. To through that, do you have opportunities? Do you find to share the gospel with your kids through that, or to? Um, more explicitly let's say point them back to the scripture sure. or anything
0: yeah i mean i think the main the primary way that we do that and we don't do it really well I, you I, your suggestion is a great one <laughs> um but we haven't explicitly said let's use this example to point back to scripture but what we do have done well i think
1: i uh, for the record i don't do it very well either. oh yeah, yeah i
0: right i know but it, it, you it's a great recommendation really it is um and in You know, from a um, more of a Christian organization that uses the TBRI TBRI approach, that would be a pretty good thing to add to the list. Yeah. Um, We are pretty good about pointing out when we are dysregulated or out of alignment with both family values as well as specifically this way, what we've been called to from God's... You know, from the Word of God, but then also just from how we see what we know from from culture and our church of, of of the teachings of what's appropriate, mm-hmm. and to talk through that with the kids, I think is helpful. To mm-hmm. say, "Hey, I am really not in a good place. Can you please forgive me for whatever it is—raising my voice or mm-hmm. being you know disrespectful to you or whatever it is?" Yeah. And, and so some of that I think is helpful because they can see that there's a there are steps on how to. I, I'm in this crazy place, and I don't know how to get out of here. Oh, I am aware of what where I am. Mm-hmm. And then this, you know, there's a few things that I can do in order to sort of walk that back down, I think. Wow. Can point to the gospel as well. What
1: is what is the first word of, out of your mouth, the first action that you take when you see your child is being, when they're tense? Like yeah, that, sure. You know, like, is it? I, I don't know. Like I, I'm just curious. I'm wanting yeah. to put this into practice in my life. Sure. You know, because it sounds fabulous, but I still don't know like what would I say first? Yeah. Or what would I do first?
0: I I, I think. Um,
1: let's 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 start with your oldest, because I'm yeah. sure it's age dependent. It is. The, and what that's what with, I was thinking. Yeah. You know, between that and between like my two-year-old versus Avery, you yeah. know, your oldest, like it's a wide delta of age. Yeah. You know, so. And personality type. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that
0: that makes a big difference. So, I will say first and foremost, it is. It is individual child specific. Mm-hmm. Some kids, our daughter, she she after the initial sort of pushback, really likes to have physical contact, and it's not like a hug, but like just a hand on hand on her shoulder, shoulder, her leg, yeah. whatever. Um, and then Avery's not really keen on that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing I will say not to do, which is the opposite of your question. No, that's good. It, don't say you're okay. <laughs> hmm, okay. <laughs> I have noted. It's funny because that's in the training because. They're not okay. I mean, realistically, they are. Or right? like it's you know, okay, or something. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're not feeling that. And both both of our biological kids, who are old enough to verbalize what they're experiencing, have told us like don't don't say that. I don't you know like I don't feel that. That's not helpful hmm. when you say it's okay or you're okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, and I'm so guilty. Oh, of that. I'm very guilty of that yeah. myself. I'm, yeah.
1: You said that. I'm like that's per- that's that's interesting to yeah. me. Yeah, because it's usually like, hey, it's okay. Let's yeah. calm down. Yep. Like you're gonna be all right. You exactly. know, it's not a big deal. Like yeah. those are always like it's just so natural. Like I don't yeah. even
0: And in the big picture, they are, right? Right. They have parents that love them, they care for them. Like yeah. there's nothing that's really hurt. We're gonna get through this. You real you will be okay, but I don't know. So that's that's like a trigger sometimes for some kids, I guess. Um, I think probably and I don't know if there's like a uh like a formula type of an approach to it, but something that would be to the extent of um, letting them know that you're not um, angry about what's happened and that you're not going to go away. Mm. So they have the, the freedom and the space to, it, um, to experience what they're experiencing, feeling what they're feeling, um, and then knowing that you as their parent are going to walk alongside them through mm. that process. Um, would be, and that could, however, you, works out in terms of the situation as well as the child. Right. Would be kind of the, the goal.
1: That makes sense. I There's some flexibility. And I love that because I'm thinking about it's like, that's what God does for us. Mm, yes. You know, like yep. he doesn't, he didn't say, okay, that's it. I'm not, I'm checking out. Right. You know, yeah. like that's it for me, young man. Like you've done enough.
0: Yeah. We, we, you know? We're experiencing the emotions that he created, um, and they can be driven by sin, but. Yeah we have them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so recognizing and navigating them and knowing that he's still there. Right. Mm. And and so even if we navigate it poorly. (laughs) Yes. Which is, (laughs) in my life, is awful. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, so. Wow. That's cool. So, well, what is, what is Leslie's background uh, as far as as far as like when she became a Christian and like did she, does does she work? Did she work? Um, you know, was she ever like in counseling or anything like that? Because like you just, I, I hear such wisdom coming out of you mm. um, and in both of you and from I'm hearing from you from your shared experience. Like I'm curious now, to know what her background is. Sure,
0: like. yeah, she's um, she's from Amarillo and then moved came here to Fort Worth for the for TCU. Okay, go for and frogs. Yeah, go frogs, right? I'm more of a frog than a bear, so our our family is definitely more TCU. Breaking news. Yeah, (laughs) no. So when I so this totally side side sidetrack here. When I was at Baylor, we were terrible Uh from a football standpoint. Oh yeah, we had oh I'm aware of the dark the dark decade at Baylor. Yeah. So um, I mean, I lost all interest in sport, and I didn't have a lot of interest going into it, but yeah, I just it was it was that was the 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 thing that killed it. So I we don't. I have no desire to watch sports. I mean, like playing sports from the competitive camaraderie side.
1: You're not not a stop down on Saturday watching college football guy.
0: No. Okay. We will do it towards the end of the TCU season. If they're good. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. That's fair.
1: um, I think that's healthy. Yeah. You have a much healthier approach about it than I do. I actually (laughs) had the Notre Dame Navy -Navy game on earlier today, and I have no interest in either school. Yeah. (laughs) Other than the fact that my grandpa was in the Navy, but you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so she's here for TCU. She got a job and then stuck around. And yeah. so um, her degree is in sociology, I think. Um, she was interested in doing um, parole, being a parole officer. Interesting. Okay. And uh, got hired on at JPS Hospital, doing not in the medical side, but mm-hmm. in the uh, academic side. Mm-hmm. And she really enjoyed it. And so she stuck around there for, I don't know how many years, 11 years, something like that. Oh, wow. Um, something. I probably got that number wrong. Uh, so then we met and then got married. She still worked. We had uh, our first son. And at that time, she was kind of burned out, I think, from what she was doing. And so it was a good opportunity to say, I'm staying home. Mm-hmm. And so, so she uh, stayed home. Uh, we had our second child and then she still stayed home. So she was home for eight years. Mm -hmm. And then again, another God providence type of a thing. The woman who had her role at JPS lives about eight houses down, moved to be like eight houses down the street from us. Wow. Totally very, very strange, random. Um, and she, They knew each other somehow, Uh, and so they got together a couple nights over the course of a year, and I think she kind of was like, hey, do you want your old job back? Because I'm kind of done. (laughs) And it was at a time where um, we had tried to do homeschooling Mm -hmm. and didn't work, Mm -hmm. and so we knew um, our oldest was going to be going back to school. And so there was sort of this, well, if I'm not going to be at home, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And so uh, she was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. And so I went and talked to people. There's a lot of the same people that were still there from eight years ago. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it was an easy transition because it wasn't much of a transition. You're kind of going back to what you previously knew. Yeah, that makes sense. And so she's, she's been doing that for the last four years, maybe three or four years. Okay. Um her background, um, in terms of the 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 um, fostering, I mean, we, like I said, we kind of came from this a similar place in terms of having a call, feeling a call to adoption, not being attracted to fostering, but then really having sort of our eyes opened to the need, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I think we're now at a point where we would say it's it's the it's what we. Would would choose to do again if we wow. got you know had to had to do it all over again. Wow. Um. Her, she is uh, obviously a mother and much better at being a mother <laughs> than <laughs> you I, are than I am. Okay. Yeah. And so um, I think a lot of her when, I, when the times when I am not and feel in feel free to tighten that down like a, yeah go ahead and lift it up I'm and then to, down, yeah. undo it. <laughs> you're good yeah. Microphone. I know,
1: it's a, it's a brand new mic stand. I have a second one that I was taking to gigs, and I was like, I should just have one that's mounted full-time here. Yeah, so right. it hasn't quite been broken in yet. Yeah. There we go. No, it's fine if you do. They're, they're not that expensive. Um,
0: yeah. Cool. Yeah. Let me see if that There we go. That will stop sagging still. on you. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> and you cool. can tilt it if you need. Yeah, that's okay. all right. I just want to get it in my mouth. Yeah. Um, Perfect. So I, I feel like there's been times when uh, – well, I, I know for a fact. There's lots of times when I am – this is crazy like the so i'm an engineer right so um logic has a lot of uh (laughs) has a lot of appeal to me yeah and as anyone with children knows that's not how children operate and so no um she handles that much better than i do Hmm. um so that's there's sort of the complementary aspect of that which Mm -hmm. is good um she We haven't talked about this, but I guess... So her faith background, she um, was raised in a a church family, Mm -hmm. uh, went to church. Her mom has been uh, very um, involved in church um, her whole life, Leslie's whole life. Um, And so she kind of was always in and around church circles. Um, And then when we met, we started going... (laughs) We uh, we started dating. We started going to the same church. She came over to the Rooted Church, and then we just have been through the Rooted and into the city. So yeah, um, yeah. So I think she's she's known and had a, a better confidence in the gospel than I have had in my previous uh college high school age life R- really yeah so i think yeah it is because
1: i think i think we missed that part of your story yeah. earlier about how you came to faith and, right and what you, what was that what sure was that like? yeah I, and didn't,
0: I didn't talk about that so i was also raised in a christian family uh, my parents are catholic and so we went to catholic church mm-hmm. every sunday mm-hmm. um and but it's interesting because my dad was church of christ so you have like these polar opposites of like dogmatic approach to yeah. religion which is interesting um, but what that meant was that our practical uh, application of religion, spirituality in the, in the household was <laughs> like read read the Bible and talk, do devotionals and things like that which typically doesn't happen with a Catholic um, and that's not to say that all Catholics have that cause, but the ones that I was around in <laughs> my school yeah, were, that, that, that was normal. not what you did right yeah And so there was a little, there's a little extra added in there just in terms of being exposed to scripture, mm-hmm. um, which obviously was, uh, intentional from, from God's plan. Mm-hmm. So, uh, get into Catholic school kind of meshes well. Cause I've had this religious background and, and it's, you know, it's not the only thing you do there, but it's part of it. But I will say this, having gone from public school, uh, and especially a, a public school that has, um, the affluenza mm-hmm. effect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, was Alito like that back then? In the high school, it was. Okay. It wasn't when I obviously when I was younger. I didn't yeah. It yeah.
1: Because it's easy ever. for me to imagine. I mean, I've only been in Fort Worth for 15 years or so, so it's hard. It's easy for me to imagine. Like, um, it's easy for me to imagine what Alito could have been mm. before that. You know, because yeah. it's got the bones of a small sure. country town. Sure. You know. Yeah, if, and it's all funny, the, you know large. Properties. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Lots of money came into it to own the quasi-ranch thing. Yeah. Um, so, but the the darkest educational time in terms of spirituality was definitely at the, at the Catholic school. Hmm. Okay. And I don't know if that was from the makeup of the kids in the class or where I was personally or what that was, but um, just a lot of, like, direct ridicule, mockery, you know— uh, for for having beliefs and and being of a for having Christian beliefs, yeah, Christian beliefs, and yeah. then, and coming from a Christian family and doing things that were distinctly Christian, and so I didn't, I did not handle it well uh-huh. in terms of um, defending my faith or having a you know that that, and so my reaction was to not not deny the faith, but it reduced my the attractiveness of the faith, let's mm. put it that way. And mm. so mm-hmm. I think I've always, I know I've always had, like, a cognitive belief that there is a God. He created the world and all things. There is a Son, Jesus, who came to earth and died. But it was like, once that knowledge, once you, you, there was no way from that point it stopped. Mm-hmm. Like, the application mm-hmm. of that to my life was was lost. Yeah. And so all through... Um, Middle school, high school, some college. You know, I just it was not um, there wasn't a desire to be connected with God hmm. or live my life in such a way that would reflect the redeemed nature of being, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a son of God.
1: You would have identified as a Christian, but it didn't have enough impact on you your got life. It. Exactly, yeah. and
0: I, I mean, this is not a cop out, but th- th- I think that's where a lot of people are. Well, that's why.
1: What's well, why I always ask about people's testimony on the podcast yeah because I've heard that a number of times already you know this is you're the 12th or 13th guest now and you know I, I've heard that a number of times uh, sure. from, from men and I think it's a very common thing uh, even among the men that you know we we run into at our church uh, among the men that we run into in our circles our day-to-day lives you know mm-hmm. who who are great guys honestly but they may not actually have uh, a, a living act of faith sure let's say yeah um, you know or Or fruit being produced in their life. It's more, like you say, it's not just, what they have is not more, is not more than something just cognitive fact memorization. Yep. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as, uh, as human, human beings are want to do the effects of that and, you know, sort of wanting to fit in and be connected, but not actually having a community that was life-giving. It was Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. life-taking. And then just being in a place where, you know, whether it be alcohol or whatever, you've got these sin struggles that you sort of are normalized, that Mm -hmm. you're around, and -hmm. that really becomes more isolating. And so um, got through undergrad, was fine, but then grad school, (laughs) I started living in, in this a rent house that was just a total dump. Okay. And uh, and so it was almost like God was using these things to be like, you know, here we're just gonna take another step down in terms of now your physical surroundings are really trashy, and now your you know, your health isn't great. I wasn't unhealthy, but I just wasn't eating healthy, and uh-huh. like you know, you know, drinking. Um, and so there was just a lot of things of feeling like, wow, this is this is not where I want to be, or anyone really should want to be. And um, I don't. I tried to think about it on the way over here, where I got this book, but it was a uh, the Cross Centered Life by C.J. Mahaney, and it wasn't even the full book. It was like a, I think it was a, a graduation gift. I don't know where it came from, <laughs> but I sat down and read it, and in part of that there's some aspects of it that were like, you know, if if this is real to you, like it needs it needs to be your life. Mm-hmm. It's not like something that you do on the side. and the rest of life is here, it permeates and infuses all aspects of your life. Hmm. So whether that's being a student or, you know, uh, going to parties or whatever it is that you're doing around you, I'm thinking in terms of when I was in college there. Yeah. Um, It's going to be a part of what you do. And um, so it was kind of around that time that I had this aha moment, you know, the, the spirit really was speaking to me then. He's like, hey, where you live in your life is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a way better way out of this thing. Yeah. Um,
1: it's and, interesting that the, that the outward real reality of your life was a reflection of your heart. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating and, and that has
0: nothing to do with my choices. Yeah. You know, it just wound up being what was available. I needed a place to live quickly, and it was just, it was junk. And so, I mean, again, that's all God's providence to yeah. be like, I need to, I need to pull you down. I need to let you make choices and get you in a place where you realize how much you need me. Yeah. Um, so around that time I was like, you know what? Um, I don't know why I believe these certain things. Why, why do I believe things about God? Well, there's scripture. And so going back to scripture is where find my truth. And so it was around that time I started to sort of build out like, what, what, what do I believe? Why do I believe these things? Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the sort of the turning point in inflection. And then shortly thereafter, uh, graduated, the Rooted Church started like a month later or something. Yeah. And so, and it was like, <laughs> I come back and, you know, okay, all I've no, ever known is Catholic Church, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we we give these homilies that are like, yeah, we read this thing, but you should be a good person because it's the good thing to do. And that's not every Catholic homily, but right. uh, the ones that I went to were or here's this presentation of we're starting a church we're going to walk book by book through the bible and exposit out of scripture what it has for us and I was just like that's what I've wanted that's where I am right now so it really was just eye opening and um, so
1: I love that. Yeah. yeah I, I love that. I Something I have only really recently come to the realization of is how much I appreciate expository preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, for a long time, I didn't bother myself as a Christian, like, with such terminology, you yeah. know? Yeah. But now that I'm, like, I feel like there's been a deepening in my faith, and I'm realizing that, like, I, I have a strong preference for going verse by verse. Yeah. You know, or book by book like that.
0: Yeah. It's almost like it was written to teach us things (laughs) (laughs) outside of ourselves. It's almost like the Bible was living and active. Who would have ever guessed that? Yeah, exactly.
1: So take me through... Let's fast forward again now. Let's take me back to... Thank you for sharing your story. There's a lot of really good stuff in there um, that's bouncing around in my head. But take me back to the eve of your first placement. Yeah. Yeah. if you're allowed to share like sure. details about the child, I don't yeah. know what you're legally allowed to do or not, but
0: you just can't post pictures on Facebook. You know? Okay,
1: you're like you could say, <laughs> yeah, say their, and and their the gender, age, and their gender and stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. so uh, what, what was it like? What were you guys thinking? Were you nervous? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you were. Sure. Yeah. Walk, walk me through that. So
0: you get everything done, and you go through all your trainings, and then there's a home study that they make sure that all your T's and eyes are where they're supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're on the the placement list. And and just as a quick aside on the placement list, you as a foster family are able to specify uh, certain criteria of the children that you are looking to foster. So okay. whether that means number you know, one or two or three or unlimited, it's similar to adoption in that regard. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Age, gender. Mm-hmm. Um, with some of it with fostering, you can sp- like there are certain classes of needs. So there's mm-hmm. like class one, class two, class three. And that's in terms of um, just behavioral things. Mm-hmm. So if they have some really tough behavioral needs, they'll be classified as a different class. And so you can specify, I don't want that, or I don't, whatever. It's, but <laughs> um, inevitably, they will call you, and it will be someone who is just outside your <laughs> your margin that you specified, mm. uh, which is fine. So anyway, we were on the list um, and had been on for a little bit. I don't remember how long we were on the list for for the first time, but um, got the phone call. Two brothers, uh, like one almost two year old and a three year old, mm-hmm. and at the time our daughter was three, mm-hmm. um, and so it was it fit well because we wanted to maintain birth order. We didn't mm-hmm. want to have a, a mix up in terms of who mm-hmm. well, who oldest was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were not looking for two. We were looking for one. But we um, we thought, and I think we actually had two beds, two extra beds, and so we said, "Sure, that's fine." So we accepted them, uh, and uh, there Carlos was the older, and Santiago was the younger. So mm. um, that was quite an adventure. <laughs> we uh, they came in, and it was it's one of the things you know you think your kids are crazy, and the, at ten o'clock at night they come in, mm. bring the bags in that and they, late in the evening. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. And it can happen. I don't think it'd be any... like eight in the morning or no, you know, more normal time. It depends on when the, when the, um, when they're taken away from whatever the situation is. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so, uh, they, they came in and they like immediately hopped on this toy. And so both our kids are asleep. Right. Uh, and they, this toy just start tearing around the living room, making all this noise. And we're like, what, you know, we're used to the, the quiet. Right. <laughs> and, uh, And so it, then that was, I, it's funny looking back now it's, that was just sort of like the taste of what was to come because it was just like noise. I would say was the thing that (laughs) could be used to describe life. Yeah. When they were there. Right. So, you know, I mean, there was a lot of adjustment that had to happen. Um, neither of them were verbal. Hmm. They could kind of express themselves through some words, but not a whole lot. Um, and so we had to learn how to communicate and be patient and understand in such a way that they were able to tell us what they needed. Hmm. Um, and they just, they came from a, a place that play to them was different than play to us and our and our two uh, biological kids. And so, hmm. I mean, it was just, a, it was a giant indoor playground, basically. Okay. <laughs> what Nothing was, was off limits. Yeah. Got it. So... There was a lot we learned, um, and I think if we had done just one uh, of them or one child, it wouldn't have to be them that had similar needs, mm-hmm. uh, we would have been fine. Yeah. But as it was, it became where it was just it was it was too much. It was too stressful, and so um, the we had gotten the oldest, Carlos, and our biological daughter, Eliza, into like daycares. Just to have a break, because Leslie was still at home at the time, um, a break from the madness during mm-hmm. the day. <laughs>
1: yeah, because that, that, that would give you four kids at the right, time. Right, so yeah.
0: you have four, and then they have those in, so then it was just Santiago, the youngest that was there. And so we did that, but then summer was sort of looming. And there was a, something that had happened with the placement. They had told us they were going to find a adoptive home for them or whatever, and it it had fallen through and there was another possibility for them to go somewhere. But then that was looking like it wasn't going to happen or it was kind of stalled. And so one of our, somebody we talked to is like, look, you can put in your notice and, uh, it'll kind of force the hand of somebody. So putting in notice basically says like, for whatever reason,
1: this isn't working out,
0: I can't do this. Yeah. Like I, you know, and you can, and it gets abused, I think. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and, and it's hard, you know, you go back to that whole family image being grafted in and adopted by God. God never says, I can't do this. God mm-hmm. never says, I don't want this. And so, yeah. and, and so that's the, the image side. Then there's like the practicality side. You just feel like you're abandoning these two kids. And so it's hard. I imagine that's not um, a decision to make lightly. Yeah, it's not. And, and still feel, I mean, we both feel it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, and even for months afterwards, that's hard it's a tough one to to have to live with and think through. Yeah. So then they um, found another placement for them. Hmm. Um, and then you take some time off and then you go back on the list.
1: So after your first one there was there ever a moment where you're like, should we do this again? Are we not sure? Should we pull our hats out of the ring here, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Sure. I I don't th- I don't remember that. I remember being like two was way too many. Yeah, we can do this, but not with two.
1: That's imp- it's impressive to me that you had the attitude of we can do this because I yeah. feel like if that was my first experience, I'd be like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I, I've i scratched this itch, let's say, to put it callously, you know, yeah. I scratched this sure. itch and uh, I'm ready to move on.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think what we did, what we learned from it, so two things. Um, one, we refined our. Criteria okay. one child only from mm-hmm. just sort of the way that's that we a hard parent. limit. One, yeah. yeah, right. And we've kind of thought about changing that with opportunities that have come up when we're on the list. Hey, we got two brothers, two sisters, whatever. Yeah, and we just have said we can't.
1: And it, would it maybe be easier if like they were the youngest infants, like as a pair of twins who are a month right. old, you right? Know, yeah, it's different versus sure. three year olds who are, yep, yeah, you know, bouncing
0: off the walls, yeah. Um, so that was one thing. And then, but then the second thing that we really had to learn from that, and this is another one that's weird going back to the image of God Mm -hmm. or the image of the family of God, is it's okay within fostering to say no to a placement. Hmm. So when you're on the list, um, opportunities will come up. Hey, we've got a child. Here's the situation that we know, and they don't always know everything. Um, are you interested and you can ask questions you yeah. know like well is there a history of abuse where do they where would visitation be mom and dad still in the picture are there sibling visits that we're going to Is visitation do? common? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah there is. So uh, depending on who all is involved in the child's family prior to separation they have the right to at least once a week with Once a week, okay. mom and dad if possible and that can change depending on the situation and then if there's any siblings both Full or half um they will try to do sibling visits as well and sometimes you're lucky you can get them to overlap but that's what our current placement is he's got a half brother and so visitation is half brother plus Mm -hmm. mom and dad Mm. um well half brother plus mom and then half brother plus dad um but you can say no and that's a hard one to also wrap your head around too, f- and feel comfortable with saying no to, hey, there's a need, and you're trained. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do this? And then you say no. And so that that was. But we've gotten more comfortable when those things come up, and they they just wouldn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's
1: the typical timeline from like a child being removed from their bad situation mm-hmm. and put into foster? Sure. Is, is, when you say 10 p.m., like it sounds like it was the same day kind of a thing.
0: It, it, some of it depends on, on the situation. So okay. they'll, um and I can't really speak to what the CPS side looks like in terms of. Yeah, that's an element I haven't yeah, considered. Yeah, right. They, they would be people that would have a lot better insight on that. Um But typically it's not a one-time event. Okay. And so they would have a call made. There'd be an investigation. The child would stay there. While the investigation is occurring, if something else, if something really bad happened or is very evident that something bad was happening, they would immediately remove the child. Got it. But um, oftentimes there's a little bit of delay. Uh, but once the child's removed, they don't typically just take them out of the home and then place them in a foster home. They'll take them to like their office. So mm-hmm. each each child, each case has a worker, mm-hmm. and so that person is doing investigations and things. And they'll take them to their office. Almost all the placements we've had, the um, kids have been in their office for a long time. I, I don't mean like a day, but like you know, several hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're just looking for a place once they they've been removed from the dangerous situation,
1: mm-hmm. put into a better one. Yeah,
0: in this office floor, and then it's a matter of finding play. a perfect right. fit. Yeah, exactly. It's
1: like a it's a, it's a gradient, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. From exactly. really bad to better to yeah. hopefully place, a lifelong placement. Yeah, right. The place yeah. you
0: want to be. Yeah. Uh, so that's a couple hours, and it really depends on. There's lots of things that go into it, um, but yeah, and wow. it, and that can happen. The emergency placements are the ones where it's like obvious that something really bad is happening, and they got to take them out. Those happen 24 hours a day. I'm so sure. That's the 4 a.m. phone call. That I've you heard of get. those. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that happened. We have not had that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, all, of, but but it's funny because almost all of ours have come after 8 p.m. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because they've been hanging out in the office and they have to wrap up paperwork and then they go do the (laughs) delivery of the child. But yeah. um, Interesting. Yeah.
1: So, So tell me again. You said this earlier, but I've lost count. How many placements have you had? How many children total?
0: I think we've had five. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, we've had five placements and six kids. And yeah. we've had a couple of like short term ones mm-hmm. in between there, like a weekend. Got it. That we kept somebody, but in terms yeah, of placements. Yeah, like an know, interim placement yeah. kind of thing. Five placements, six kids.
1: Wow. Okay. So talk, walk me through uh, some of the sweet moments that sure. have come through this. Yeah. You know, I appreciate your openness about some of the, the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. You know, um, walk me through some of the, the sweeter moments you've had.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think obviously God. Created children as a gift to parents. I mean, it's it's a hard gift, but mm-hmm. there's just a sweetness in in seeing them Grow and develop yeah. and then boy. I mean just the the way that kids express um, Love and affection and and really just need as well. It's so genuine I mean, it's just it's the most That really is the most rewarding thing when the, when the, the child uh you know just is like hugging you and you can feel it's like a mm-hmm. it's a genuine hug They're like i it's, need you i yeah, love i depend yeah, on you exactly yeah uh, i love you that's that's something man it really is and and that's not to say it has to come from a, a child who's in the fostering system i mean that's we have that with our own children right of course but man it's so that's one of the things i would say we've experienced and really enjoyed um, you know, with the first placement, we kind of lost sight of it, uh, because of how being in like in the, in the, in the middle of it all. But through that whole process, the oldest one learned how to speak, you know, and he was able to communicate with a little bit of a, of a speech impediment. But for the most part, he was, that's great. He was verbal and, you know, that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, a big deal. And that's yeah, huge. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because now we look back at it and we will, we'll, we'll kind of we we'll say words in the way that he would say the words now and it, and it's a sweet i think a sweet memory Aww. um yeah the other big thing is going to be how our two biological kids have responded to the placements yeah. and this really has been the last the, the last 3 that we've had mm-hmm. um we uh we really uh had some trepidation about how they were going to handle hey we brought this kid into our house and oh now this kid is leaving what do you think about kids being removed from our house type yeah. of a thing you know oh, am That's i going to be am i next <laughs> what does it mean for a parent to have a child come in and then have that child leave the parent um so we had some fear about that how they were going to respond in terms of their own um comfort and assurance of being part of the family and staying, you know, staying with us. Uh, But they, that has never seemed to phase them. Hmm. Um, And it may just be unique to them because we have read uh, uh, interviews or, you know, blog posts or stuff where that does happen. So our two have not had that, but they have connected over and over again with these placements with the kids in such a way that it's, you know, it's like, it's like integration into the family and and that's what you want. Mm -hmm. You want the child to feel like they are part of your family. Mm. Um, And so it's just always been something where they're really quickly day one They're Maybe not day one, maybe day three. (laughs) (laughs) The first, the first day is like, why can't we do this? Well, because we have another, there's another person in our family now. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Um, But they get where they're more accustomed to it and they just, and then when they're gone, they're, su- they're sad. When they're leaving, they're sad. But yeah. they, they pretty quickly, they really have, have done a great job of, of accepting the reality of the situation. You know, they're, mm-hmm. not, they're not gone, gone. They're going yeah. on to another place of you know, hopefully forever home. Yeah.
1: Their uh, capability to understand, I imagine, is better the older they've gotten. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yes,
0: for sure. But, but seeing them, knowing, having, the, having the, the comfort of seeing them connect well has been another joy that we've experienced as well. Wow. And then, you know, like most difficult things, like your marriage is going to be impacted by it, mm-hmm. good and bad. Um, but for us, um, we really have have had a lot of opportunities to draw closer to one another. Mm-hmm. Some, <laughs> some of it is it's like, you're the only person I got I, at my back here in this. In this, this kid. is a crazy day. You're yeah, the only person I trust. Exactly, it's all the kids against us. So you're my buddy here.
1: Um, yeah, you're in the foxhole together. Yeah, exactly.
0: And so, uh, but we have really we've we we have definitely appreciated that, and we've talked about this before with each other and with some other people. Is if you go into it thinking that that's how it's going to be, it's really helpful. If you go into it thinking. I'm not sure I want to do this, but my spouse wants to do this or vice versa. Yeah. You need
1: to be unified. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hu- and also the
0: way that you do your parenting is really important too. Um, cause if you want to do it differently than how they want to do it, then this is all your fault cause you did this differently. And then it becomes sort of a divisive mm. type of a thing. So I could
1: see that. Yeah. but wow. that,
0: That's been pretty sweet as well. What have. would
1: you say one last question, I guess about fostering and we'll, more- We'll wind up. Thank you so much for your time. Man. Yeah, yeah. I just, I've learning my mind is just going all over. I've learned so many things uh, today. I, I try not to like research too much into like what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. with my guest Cause I want to hear it fresh. Yeah. You know what sure. I mean? Um, and I don't want to like steer the discussion like unnaturally. Um, what would you say to, and I'm not saying this is me, uh, but what would you say to a person, to a couple who feels this calling mm-hmm. or think they feel this calling in their yeah. life Sure. to fostering? What, how would you respond to someone who's is like, Hey, yeah. Well, yeah what do I, what do I need to know? What do I need to know? What I, should I do?
0: The, once you're in it, it's nowhere near as bad and as scary as what it is looks like from the outside. Hmm. Um, I mean, that's, and that's true after, or before every placement for us, like I have this sort of butterflies of, Oh man, what's about to happen. Uh-huh. But, you know, you've gone through some training, uh-huh. so there actually is some some things that you learned, some school skills and tools, practical sets. skills, right? Pra- yeah, yeah. Um, and depending on where you are, you've got a community that's going to help, hmm. uh, whether that be your church, who is you know, they appreciate the fostering and adoption from a you know service and a. a Image of the gospel. Would you say standpoint? that's essential?
1: If someone's going to a church and they're not real, I mean, you'd hope that every church is. But right. like, I've been to other churches where that's not brought up as much. It's like, oh, we certainly like the idea of foster adoption. But one thing I've appreciated about the city for as long as I've been there, like, it has been a something that gets brought up frequently, mm-hmm. in my sure. opinion. Yeah, you know, the, like I'm way more aware of fostering and adoption yeah. than I ever was at like other churches I've sure. been to.
0: Yeah, and I think yes, I, um, you can do it without your church. Um, there are lots of foster support groups around the country, and yeah. so, uh, and most I don't know most of them. A lot of them are practical in their nature, and just sort of almost like group counseling, right? Yeah. Um, but but it does help to have someone, a group of people who are coming from the same worldview that you have. Yeah. In terms of what that looks like. Yeah. Um, but you know, going back to the advice to give them, like, it's um, you you will quickly understand how to structure your schedule and your kid's schedule and what your daily life is going to look like. And yes, it's a big change. It's not, you know, you don't pick up and they integrate in from exactly the same thing you've been doing, but it's a, it's a pretty easy shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once you're in it, it becomes more of a routine and it's less, it's less scary from, from the outside in. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes
1: sense. I yeah. I don't know. I think of like lots of instances in life where things are like that. Sure. Um, oh, yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kirk, thanks for, for coming in Yeah. Uh, today. I've learned so much. And again, my mind is just a buzz. I really have so much respect for you and Leslie and, and the way you guys have done that and this children you've loved on and... Uh, their lives have undoubtedly been touched for the better and made better yeah, because your work you and your faithfulness to God and that calling. Um, that's really cool. What would you do? Do you know um, if someone wanted to reach out either to you or to your agency? Um, how can they do that? Or, if, sure. if, you know, or if, if you'd rather them not reach out to you, I understand. But no, no. Like, I don't know, say someone's listening yeah. to this podcast, like, I gotta do something with this yeah. th- calling, I suddenly feel like, who should I contact, right. what should they do?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we we would be happy to talk. We've, we've done that with several families, both in the church and outside of the church, who, like you mentioned, they just, they're interested in it, you mm-hmm. know, what does this look like? Just kicking like? the tires, yeah. Because a lot of it, I think, once you see or can ask the, the weird practical questions, like, yeah. what, is, what does life look like when you do this? Yeah it, it, t- it demystifies it a little bit. Yeah. And it's, it's super helpful. So we've had people over for dinner and, you know, whether that be an hour long conversation or, um, just a, you know, sort of a 10 minute, 15 minute chat that occurs is really helpful. So yeah, I'd be happy to talk with anybody about it. Great. Um, okay. and, um, and,
1: and share the so name of your, your agency again.
0: Yeah. So the agency is CK family services. Okay. Um, CK used to mean like I don't even remember what it stood <laughs> for something and they dropped it. So, but they're Calvin online. Klein. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and they have on their, they have tons of resources on their website that are free for anybody to go in and find out information. But yeah, you can get in contact or if you need a, a contact with somebody who's there, um, we can give that as well. Great. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, you know, the training portion probably take six months to a year. If yeah. you were to really go to go through the whole thing, um and a lot of that depends on your availability in terms mm-hmm. of when you could go to the classes and do the trainings but it's yeah. it's not a it's not an overnight thing but it's not too it, listen you don't have to have any kind of degree yeah <laughs> to do this yeah you just
1: got to have the will absolutely yeah, yeah. It,
0: it does not take any the the training thing people sometimes hear training and they go oh no but it's <laughs> it's really It's it's pretty simple. You're not doing mathematical formulas for an engineering degree? Nope, you're not. Okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple. That's good. That's
1: good. Um, Well, for your privacy, I'll just say, if there's anybody listening to this podcast who wants to get in touch with you, Kirk, just reach out to me. Yeah. There's a contact form on the website, defiantdad.com. Just shoot me a message, and I'll connect you to Kirk. Yeah. Um, Just to... Increase an element of privacy for you. Um, I want to wrap up by asking a few questions. I ask all my guests. Uh, you already talked about it once, but tell me again the name of the book that has has mm-hmm. significantly impacted your faith.
0: Well, I, it's funny because I don't even remember a whole lot out of the book, but yeah. obviously it definitely did something. Well, the main with thrust of the book—I
1: mean—that was moving to me just to hear. Yeah, it's called again.
0: the Cross-Centered Life, and okay. it's by C.J. Mahaney. Yeah. Um,
1: I love the implication, like what you said earlier, because like I don't know until you've like experienced it like, you hear, it like, yes, I've heard this before, but, like, until it really starts sinking in and taking root in your life, which is only work of the Holy Spirit and the mm-hmm. sanctification process, you know, in your life, like, uh, when I see how my life was before coming to faith, and my wife, and my the way my life was, excuse me, not my wife, the way my <laughs> life, with an L, was after coming to faith, and then seeing who I am now, like, seeing that process, I, I came to faith in the year 2000, and then, like, seeing, or right before, I guess, 99, and then seeing like who I was then as a junior high kid, but then seeing who I was even as a high schooler as a college kid, thinking I had really matured in my faith, and then seeing who I am now, like I don't think I'm very mature in my faith Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, sure. But maybe that's a mark of maturity. I don't know, but it's just a thing of like, if you believe the gospel, it will transform your life. Yeah. You know, there, there are things that you will lose interest in. There are things that you will have an interest in. Um, and so many other implications. I guess to put it uh briefly. Um, yeah, I like that. I'm going to I'm going to look up that book. I think it'll be really, really interesting. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. What is a next question? What is a um? I I should have, I don't know if I I didn't think I texted you this question, so I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. But what is a, jokingly, a controversial opinion about a certain food item or dish? that you may have. Everybody's got something, you oh, know, man. To, to put, uh, yeah. To give you an example, Jeff Jamison, our dear friend hates chocolate, mm-hmm. hates it. He does. Like, I, I didn't know that. Did you know that? about Yeah. Him? He's in our DG. So oh, oh yeah. so you've known that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I just can't live. I can't even imagine that. Like sure. chocolate is a foundational food group in my <laughs> life. Yeah. Like I get at least one serving yeah. a day, which yeah. is probably a problem, but, um,
0: Oh, controversial, man. Um, well, I'll make this hyper local, um, Hard Eight Barbecues way overhyped.
1: Interesting. I just ate at Hard Eight two weeks yeah. ago, and I like it, but I'm kind of inclined to believe the overhype. Yeah, there are elements of it I love. Yeah, I love the restaurant and the way it works. I like the giant smoke pit in the front; it smells great from the parking lot. Um, it's really hot standing in line. Yeah, uh, really, really hot.
0: I've only been once, but so I've never been. I've been there twice, and there. I haven't been blown away by anything yeah. I've had. Never bad,
1: but never blown away.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to summarize it. Never bad, Mm -hmm. but not... Which one do you usually go to? The only one we ever... Where did we go?
1: Was it the one in South Fort Worth that they recently built?
0: No, it was the one out west.
1: Oh, I didn't know there was one out west. I think
0: there's one... Steamville, maybe? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm not aware.
1: Yeah, I've only been to the one by the airport.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know that, that one's sort of, if I had to be controversial, that would be the most <laughs> controversial one. Oh yeah, it's
1: just lighthearted. Yeah, you know. sure, it's always sure. funny hearing people's food quirks.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm so chocolate, I'm more of the spicy side. What,
1: what, what place. is your barbecue place then if oh, r not your place?
0: I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, Heim's pretty good. Yeah, which I'm a big That fan probably of is a controversial one. I think <laughs> barbecue is kind of like, you know, one of those things people kind of have their their spot that they like. But I, yeah. I did like Heim a couple times we've been there. I
1: do like Heim quite a bit. And I'm wanting to branch out and try some of these other places. But my controversial opinion as it pertains to barbecue is that I'm not willing to go to a place where I have to wait.
0: Ah. Okay. And
1: I know that limits a lot of sure. upper echelon sure. places. But look, it's not worth it to me. These places are open two days a week. The best places on the Texas Monthly list. They're open one or two days a week, yep. usually like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, some random day, you know, and they are op- they start forming line at 6 a.m. and they serve starting at 10.30 or 11 until they're sold until out. they're sold out. Like, yeah. whatever that means, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> I have a life to live.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? I'll
0: buy you a bigger cooler so you can buy more meat. <laughs> right.
1: You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I, I'm willing that the most... If you're telling me this place is incredible, like I will wait an hour. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one hour, but you have to guarantee me the full menu. Yeah, I'm not waiting a full hour just to show up and find out all they have is chicken legs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, it's, that's, I guess, yeah, I have a pretty controversial yeah. opinion about that now that I've realized. <laughs> um, because I would love to try some of these places that you that are around Fort Worth. Apparently there's some really good ones, but I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm I, I'm not gonna make yeah. wrap my day around the lunch. The investment of your time. Yeah, it's yeah. not worth it to me. Yeah, not worth it to me. Because I like barbecue, but I'm not like... It's not the end-all be-all meal yep, for me.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Okay, last question. Uh, I'm going to put you, and I didn't get you with this one either. I'm going to uh, put you into a, a fight to the death, barehanded. Mm. You have to pick your opponent. Oh, my I'm, goodness. You're, you're an engineer, so this is going to be kind of fun to hear your answer. Um, uh, if you win, you receive great fame and fortune, so you do have motivation, <laughs> you know, uh, to fight. Uh, fleeing is not an option. Um, and your arena... Uh, I've added this lately. Your arena will be the size of a football field. Okay. Okay. Choose your opponent. Is it either 100 uh, duck-sized horses Okay. or a single horse-sized duck?
0: Oh, my gosh. Ducks are terrifying. I'm going horses. I'm going duck-sized horses. Okay, 100 yeah.
1: duck-sized Barehanded. Yeah. yeah. Okay, why? I
0: stomp on them. You stomp that's, on them. <laughs> that's a stomp and kick, man. Uh, we, we go through the uh, the Narnia books pretty often, and so every time we get to the giants and they're like, hold on, and they put their gigantic metal boots on and they just go stomping around I'm like, yes, that's what I would do too. Uh, ducks are terrifying. We have birds. I we have ducks too. chickens, pigeons, and quail. Okay. And uh, Wow, I
1: didn't realize you had pigeons and quail. I knew well, the chickens. Well, that's
0: Avery, our son's. He's, okay. He's into that, so which, okay. kudos to him. Yeah. I don't know anybody else that has them. Okay. Um Birds are mean, dude. They, they are. Really are. They are. There is a reason that they were created on a different day. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's it. God's like, we gotta spice things yeah, up again. They're, they're they're up there. We're
1: gonna create these deceptively aggressive creatures. Yeah. People are like, oh, it's a beautiful, peaceful bird. Yeah. They they, they can get pretty mean. They so. can get very mean. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely couldn't do a big duck. No. Wouldn't, wouldn't know how to handle it.
1: I'd be worried about. Say, I would too. I'd be worried about. I don't like getting bit by a duck. Period. Yeah, but then you got to contend with these feet, which are hypothetically like three feet wide, mm-hmm. and uh, they have spikes at the end. And they have spikes in the end. People forget the ducks do have toenails, mm-hmm. little claws, and then uh, the thing that I think people forget is the duck neck, the versatility of a neck. Yeah, they don't have hands, right? That hand, that beak can bite every single square inch of their body for cleaning. <laughs> Backwards, forward, <laughs> under and above. There's nowhere you can go that that duck neck at can't the size of a horse can't get you. <laughs> that freaks me out a little bit yeah, thinking about I'm, it.
0: I'm. You've. you've more. Uh, I'm, I'm. much more firmly in my own opinion now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Have you ever done guineas, guinea fowl?
0: No. Uh, they're so beautiful.
1: I've thought about it. They there are, people to
0: do. They're very. Uh, you, they're. They're utilitarian in nature yeah. in terms of. They're great frowning snakes, from yep, what I understand. Exactly, and bugs. They do a really good job. The thing I have heard, there's a guy at the corner of our street that ha- had some. Hmm. They are oblivious to danger. And so they get picked off pretty easy. They'll walk in the middle of a street. And so every other bird I've ever seen that's um, yeah. wandering live, yeah, uh, free wild, range, they'll avoid streets because they know there's this terrifying thing. <laughs> guinea they don't they're just They'll just get hit by it. cars huh? hit by cars stand out in the middle of the field get picked off by a hawk, hawk or whatever and so
1: yeah we've got a hawk problem here we have hawks a family of hawks has moved into one of the trees right here because I've, I've heard them yeah i kept hearing this new bird call i'm like what is that what is that bird call and finally i googled hawk calls and i'm like it doesn't sound like that but then i saw the link for juvenile hawk call ah. oh that's what it is and cool. that explains why i've seen a number of red tail hawks this summer flying around yeah So my poor chickens, I usually, I don't let them free range, free range in my backyard, but they have like a large uncovered area for Mm -hmm. them to, to scratch all the grass out of and bugs and dig holes and, you know, do things that chickens do. And, uh, (laughs) I went out there one day about a month ago and there was a hawk sitting in the tree right above their, Mm -hmm. their area area and just looking at them. Like, right above them. And all my chickens were making all sorts of calamity because they saw them, too. They're pretty good at seeing mm-hmm, birds, yeah. you know, in danger and sounding the alarm. And uh, they uh, <laughs> they were all, like, under a... Bu- they have bushes back there they could hide under. and They were mm-hmm. all in the bushes, yeah. hiding, just calling to me, calling to me, calling to me. <laughs> Save us. And I let my dog out, and my dog just let out this huge string of barks and scared the hawk away, thankfully. And I've locked him in the run ever since. Mm-hmm. You know, and I yeah. just keep waiting to hear the hawks have moved on because hopefully they will i don't know
0: yeah i would assume so i, I don't mean, know they got to go where the food is maybe there's a bird scientist yeah. who's like hey
1: this is going to be your life i will, life from I will now
0: say on. to support what you did the, earlier this year we lost multiple chickens from one hawk wow and it was like one day and then it, i guess it takes a day to digest or something yeah and, and it came back and got another two days later there was another one dead and then
1: isn't uh, it so disappointing when they get one? because we've had one or two at our old house due to hawks and they take one bite Yes, they'd kill the b- whole giant bird. One, two bites out. out
0: of the chest. Yep,
1: done. Yeah, like you're kidding me. Yeah, that- like at least take the whole thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> you know, because then you can't do anything with it because yep. it's infected. Like, yep. great. Exactly. Can't do it. Man, well, Kirk, it's been a pleasure, man. You bet. Thank you for your time. To be here, and um, we'll have to have you back in again sometime. Soon. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Yeah, you bet. If you have any feedback about today's show, I would truly love to hear from you. Shoot me a message straight from the homepage at defiantdad.com. And also, if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you like the show, do you think you could share it with a friend or uh, maybe leave me a five-star rating? It's a really, really simple way to help boost the visibility of the show, to uh, help, you know, please the algorithm, if you will, so that more dads like you and I can hear the life-changing message of the gospel. If you're on Instagram, I would be honored to have your follow there. The name is The Defiant Dad. That's all one word, The Defiant Dad. And of course, this is The Defiant Dad Podcast. My name is Andrew Sullivan, and I will catch you next Monday. Thank you so much for listening.